Hello everyone and welcome to Autism Stories. I'm your host Doug Bletcher, the founder of Autism Personal Coach. Autistic people are the true experts of the autistic experience and Autism Stories is where we interview autistic people and others in the autism community to learn from their stories, experiences, and get their advice. With Autism Personal Coach, we've supported folks in every step of the driving process and eventually getting their licenses and beyond. I say beyond because every, even once you get your license, it doesn't mean you're comfortable driving just about anywhere. And coaching can be really helpful in dealing with those situations. That's why I wanted to talk with Andrew Arbeau as he recently wrote an article on seven helpful tips for autistic people in the driving process. We hope you enjoy today's conversation. Andrew, uh, thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you so much. I can't, can't, wait, to, can't wait to be interviewed. My first ever interview podcast which is the first for me because I thought this would be something that happened a few years ago, but this is my first ever one. Well, I'm glad um, to talk with you. And I wanted to start out by, by talking with you about where does your story in the autism community begin? Very, very good intro question. Basically, uh, what started this was aging out of the school system. You know how with special education, you age out and then parents and other autistics or adults with autism whatever people prefer in those terms, like how they deal with that, that transition from, from high school teenager to adulthood. It sucks. It's, it sucks. I have a lot of choice words I can't say on here, <laughs> unless you want to visit the after hours of this, but <laughs> the crib is not fun. Not fun with all those changes, changes, and then the fact that you are responsible for yourself. For better or worse, you are responsible for yourself. And it also doesn't help with the outside factors with, like, states, the agencies, and the adult services that came very, very uh, – Connecticut, Connecticut is interesting, to say the least. While there are, like, adult services from, like, DDS for other disabilities and then there's the autism waiver, there's a lot more that needs to be done with a lot more. Like, I found out through my – from my employer at a autism council meeting that for the autism waiver for DSS social services, it's a hundred year rate list. I wish, I wish I wasn't kidding, but it's true. I was listening to it and I almost could have been on that. It was so surreal. I could have been on that, but I'm very unconventional basically. Like I could have been in so many services, but I chose not to. Like I actually could have been on SSI, but again, I chose not to tend to make things quite harder for myself. So I was kind of had like a existential moment when this crisp happened. I was like, what in the world am I going to do? And then of all the places I looked, I looked into the autism community. Like I saw all the statistics, like I saw the ABC specials, like on the brink, that's like 60 minutes of just talking about the whole crisp and how families manage that. And I was like, I had, and I was like, I had enough of it, and I decided to see what I could do to help out the autism community, despite knowing that I'll be working with, um, working on socialization. And unfortunately, most people think it might be an oxymoron to, to think other autistics may, that may not, like the whole, like, working in more social, socialization fields may not be the best fit. 
And I'm no computer guy. I'm no computer guy. I can't do websites. I can't do video games. I wish I could do that, but it happened. So I chose the autism field, and it just came from there. And I'm starting to realize, and I realized over the years that there's actually quite a bit of people that work on the autism field. That's all autistic. Like you have organizations like ASN, and you have Andrew Comerer, Andrew Comerer, who's autistic, and I work for him directly for Praying Across the Spectrum. I recently read an article where you wrote about seven things parents can do to help their autistic teens to drive. Why, why was it so important for you to write this article? Yeah, good question. I to go a bit, I'm going to go a bit deeper on the driving because that's also a very big thing I focus on. Um, my current role is a autism transition coordinator. It's not the special ed definition where it works with more transition age students. It's more outside of schools, and it's kind of its own thing. And also, it sounded cool. It sounded cool, so I couldn't say no to that when I got the job. But basically, all the like articles, and I also wrote a bunch of other articles for autism and driving. It all started just because of just my all because of my own struggles transportation um, before I got very involved there's really not that much resources in Connecticut about that topic it's t it's kind of hard to find like find like actual like research and data on what families can expect if they know what their teen or young adult could drive and that kind of affected me and my dad was actually nervous because of the autism and because of how it affects executive functioning, which is, again, very important for driving. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of another reason to kind of show what things work for parents and what things don't work. Obviously not, like, obviously not screaming in the middle of driving, that's not going to work. <laughs> if a parent, right. if someone freaks out, or more parent side, I'm not trying to diss on parents. <laughs> but, but it was always like those tiny things, and just knowing that people may need more time, they might need this, Oh, they might need a certain type of music to help them focus. Like I would be listening to video game music when I drive. No joke. Like I listen to all like Nintendo, Mario, Pokemon. Um, lately, I've been listening to a lot of Near Automata's uh, music. Like that it helps me a lot. But it's kind of like stuff that parents need to consider because there might be going to still be a decent amount of chances where parents might not know what exactly to expect. So I kind of wrote that article to. To help kind of clear it out and just kind of offer a piece of perspective, despite not being a parent, but still stuff that kind of good to bring up. And it's and the good thing about these materials that even like autism or not, a lot of it is really universal. Just like being independent and like trying to tell people, like telling people what are the, like the steps needed and going from the going with those recommendations. Hmm. So this is why I was really enjoyed where I end up working for a driving program on uh, the next street in Connecticut and they, they I basically got involved with the autism program all it took was one presentation just one presentation like after I got my license back in 2018 I just decided I'm just gonna I'm just gonna create a PowerPoint I'm gonna get like a group of parents I got like a group of 35 people uh, some teens and adults parents and a bunch of other organizations that were interested and I got more connected with the next street about it. They're also doing rehab services, so that also got me interested. And it kind of just happened. Like even even Andrew Kamaru, uh, my employer, was on board about it. 
And again, a financial company working with a driving school. It sounds different, right? <laughs> but yeah, that's just background. So it kind of just happened. I indirectly created an autism program, and I'm very much involved. And there's no puzzle pieces. I'm trying to keep them away from the more controversial autism aspects. Because I want this to be the best possible program that can address the good man needs as possible. Being patient is important any time when you're trying to learn something new. But how important is patience within the context of, of learning driving for autistic teens or adults? Uh, very, impo very important because everyone might be at a different level that some might need. Some will be... Some it comes natural and others just need more time. I know for myself, and I can't obviously speak for everyone, I just know it just took me a bit longer because of the factors of how my state did not have that much services at that time and how I, I basically know my dad's anxiety know my dad's anxiety during that time. And if myself being self-aware about the statistics and the adults and then how and how only like one in four uh, adults to drive with AC or autistic adults. Like it's kind of like those those factors that kind of that can kind of mess some people up a little bit. So with all of that considered, like I just needed more time. Like I was doing uh, I was doing pocket I was driving through parking lots for a little bit in the beginning. It wasn't it was working kind of, but not. I was handed that to my dad. I love my dad. Just putting it out there, but. But it was, but it was kind of interesting, and me and my dad just decided to go to a driving school. I actually, went to the next street. So I was a student, like I was a student years before I actually am employee there. I didn't actually disclose that I I, I have autism. I could have, but again, I make things harder for myself. Hmm. It's kind of the common theme. But they were actually really good. Like they were paid, they were just patient. They let me took my time, and the way they scheduled the their lessons was like they have like a little sheet where it goes over what you did well, what could be worked on, and recommendations for next. Like it kind of it kind of boiled down and it made it more like steps by steps. And yeah. it helps that their passenger car has a second brake and their structures were really just calm. Like they could tell if you're like anxious or not. And again, I didn't I didn't say a single thing about autism until afterwards. Now, when people learn to drive initially, a lot of times people will give advice that they, they mean well, but it might not necessarily be helpful. So I was wondering for you, what do you think should be done differently um, to, to maybe make advice maybe more helpful to others? Or maybe for you, like what, what could have been done differently in your situation to, to give you more helpful advice? Good questions. I think just probably like parents, just parent knowledge, just knowing that there are that there is resources out there, because I keep finding I keep finding like other Pacific like resources in other states. I actually found something in North Carolina where they have this uh, summer boot camp of transportation. So it turns out that there are something out there. Just requires a deeper search. That and then just then just having something for parents. Like I'm hoping to have a parent class. That can help, like an online like parent crest, like a webinar that kind of goes over basically like basically my article about the seven things parents can do to help. Just kind of jointing down the expectations and be like, okay, this is what is recommended and this is what I don't recommend. Just kind of now putting down, like, just kind of like putting it down to like bits. But as for like actually kind of instructing like people during that time, 
the best thing, it needs to be flexible, and there needs to be a genuine reason, like a motivation and desire. Like, I'm really focused on finding, as I do a lot of driving consultings, and I'm first thing I do is look into the motivation and desire. Because if it's not really there, it's going to be rough. Like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take longer than it should be. So as long as there's a reason, and again, everyone has a different paths, and if they need extra time, it's a perfectly okay. Hmm. You, you were just talking about motivation. Do you feel like sometimes that people are not motivated to drive because they might not quite understand the purpose or reasons to drive? Could be a like a very amount of different resources. Like I've like I've been learning quite a bit from the audience that I've been interacting with all my webinars and stories I've been working with with, with like clients. It's it could be like a mix that some are just anxious and then parent, on the parents' side they may not know the reality of what it looks like. Especially years ago where there really wasn't that much research. There's a lot of it was like behind a paywall. And it bugs me because I'm currently in college and I've been finding some good studies, but they're trapped in a paywall, and I'm like, ugh. Whatever you're you're trying to accomplish, planning to accomplish that thing before you do it is always a good idea. So what are some things that autistic people should do before actually getting behind the wheel and driving? This one involves multiple, uh, multiple steps, but probably, like, figure out why you want to, like... The most common like reasons I hear is being independent. I want to kind of go to places on their own. And I know for me, it was mostly I wanted to do it for my job, for my work field, because with how the autism jobs are like, fund all the therapies and all the the mentoring and mentoring and then all the other like positions. A lot of them really requires a license. When when I was trying to go for my license, I was about halfway towards my source age degree. So that was kind of like, I need a reason. Like if I don't have like a license right before I graduate, it's going to be rough. And as probably you know, um, employment is also a biggest issue in the community. So it'd be good for me to avoid that as possible. Being autistic can certainly make driving more challenging, but I like to focus on some of the positives is as, mm-hmm. as often as I, I can. So what would be some things as an autistic that helped you in becoming a better driver? Very good one, very good one, because hopefully this doesn't, hopefully this isn't too weird to explain. I guess for me, like it's, it's part of me, but I'm kind of more of, I look more of my achievements, if that makes sense. I'm probably making a bunch of neurodiversity folks mad for saying that, but I'm just the type of guy where... I'm kind of more proud of what I've done with all the webinars I've done, like all the fact that I indirectly created the driving school. But for like the actual like autism characteristics, I guess the hyper focus, especially when enhanced by vegan music, also helps. And the fact that because I'm doing all these webinars, like I became like a maybe not a spokesperson, but I became like a noticeable person in Connecticut about that. It just helps. Like, like I got a reputation that. So it, so it kind of makes me like, kind of makes me want me up my game. It's kind of like do do new drives and hopefully when COVID nineteen, whatever that whatever happens with the whole virus, hopefully I can like travel to different states. Not New York City. I refuse to drive in there in New York City. Just not gonna happen. <laughs> I, but I just 
I just don't want to be complacent with my stuff. I want to keep going and going. I want to drive to like places in Massachusetts, like Andy. That would be a cool two-hour drive. Not Boston because it's again urban areas, <laughs> but but yeah, just kind of keep putting myself out there and out there. How how has driving to like new places helped you in other areas of your life? Oh, uh, really good. I actually intend to. I actually can do like more social events. I can actually attend more social events. I can attend work conferences, work conferences as well. Because as back in a pre-corporate world, there was all these autism conferences. There's always like something going on in like different towns. I would say I would drive them more. I'm more of a type where I'm not, I'm not really home that much. Much to my much to my dad and my dogs. Um, unfo- unfortunately to them, but I'm always kind of a workaholic. And then kind of schedule days where I might go to the different walks, but Connecticut has some really cool, really cool walking trails. So I always want people to get involved in their special interests as much as possible because oh, it yeah. mm-hmm. brings so many positive things into people's lives. So one of the things you mentioned in your article that I loved was involving one's special interest in learning, um, learning to drive. How would you suggest going about doing that? Really good. Uh, when I do my present, when I kind of do my consulting and webinars to give some examples, I use my own examples. I would be show them one of my CDs I have in my office, and I have a few like Pokemon crushes actually in my office. Like it could be anything. It could look really different. Like I know for some people, again, video game music, like listening to music that can help. While it may not be the case for everyone. And then just having some sort of fidget that they could use when obviously in a stop sign. My only rule, I'm, I'm not an instructor, unfortunately. Hopefully I could change that in the next few years. But I guess my prophecy is as long as it doesn't distract you from driving, as long as it doesn't distract you from looking at the front, uh, the side, and the rear mirrors, everything else is fair game. Mm-hmm. And just obviously don't hurt people. But yeah, just kind of like looking into, and I'm hoping with the next week program that kind of like make it flexible where if, if you know that you like this specific music, the instructors will play it. Just kind of be that flexible and maybe even experiment as well. Like I'm really excited because I actually fascinated the, the, my other, my driving employer about that, of how I use vegan music to help me enhance my driving. So I want to make it flexible, just consider, like I even know others that might use radio or conversations. Oh, just having that talk conversation that just helps. May not be the best. May, again, small talk may not be the thing for everyone, but some people are for that. So just kind of being flexible, just kind of spotting it early on in the driving, in the beginning of the driving journey, and then see what works and what doesn't work. So just being flexible and tailor it more to each individual. Yeah, because again, I'm sorry for saying the most cliched thing. And the same, the most obvious thing in this uh, podcast, autism complex and everyone's completely different. I know. I know, groundbreaking in 2020. <laughs> but it really is true. Like, I want, because each person's completely different. Like, autism as a collective, it's, yeah, not going to happen. Like, everyone has very specific needs. Similarities as well. But, again, a lot of, a lot of, diff, a lot of diff, quite a bit of differences. And I, yeah, I kind of want this program to kind of address it. Like, even if, let's say, driving may not be the right thing for people, I still would want to have something, like it, maybe like bus bus training or Ubers or kind of looking into different options, looking into the community. Because, again, I totally understand. 
I even say it in my own presentations that, again, driving may not be for everyone, but transportation is also still really important to look into, see, see what's still out there if one thing doesn't work. Now, if people have any um, questions for you about driving after listening to uh, the podcast today, how can they go about getting in contact with you? Okay, uh, they can go on Planning the Cost of Spectrum uh, website. I would, I would imagine uh, you, Doug, you have my email. You can basically send my email out. I don't know how they, I don't know how it works after like a podcast, but they can reach me out there. And I'm active in a lot of Connecticut uh, autism slash disability groups on Facebook. Mm-hmm. I think my avatar is really I'm driving one of my cars as a professional shot. Uh-huh. Oh, basically, I made like the guy that that shares all these driving pulls. And you were talking about how in the future you would like to become a driving instructor yourself? Yeah, like I actually found out there was a that driver rehab specialists are a thing. Like, it, I think it's like five years, like five years, and you have to do these same amount of trainings. And it could be, uh, I don't think I could be an OT, but I really am considering being like an instructor. Just kind of fun. I'm kind, kind of really, like something I would kind of want to look into. Originally, before I got my current job, I thought we'd be able to turn this path just in case anything happens. You never know, especially with how COVID-19's been acting with the job market. But now it's really in my doorsteps, and it turns out for an instructor, you don't really need that much education. And the fact that I'm hooked up with the next street, uh, yeah. It's like a thing that I could probably put in the mix of my current job, actually, hmm. along with my consulting. So it's kind of... So I think I'm pretty hooked, all things considered. You talked about being the autism transition coordinator at Planning Across the Spectrum. And on your profile on the Planning Across the Spectrum website, you, you're quoted as saying, a future is not given to you. It's something uh, you must take for yourself. What do you think are some of the first steps in this process? Okay, I... Don't mean to correct you, but I, I actually said that it's just a quote that I love. You just uh, use uh, near like... automata. It's from near automata uh, video game. I know, <laughs> <laughs> but but that's kind of like the reason. I guess for me, because of how the cliff, like I see all these. Like, yeah, I see these not so pleasant details. The, the, the grim statistics. I don't have to say a single one. I think most people listening to this will know exactly what I mean. I've already mentioned employment, uh, transportation. Yeah, but I think it's just so, so it's like one point you just have to say enough is enough and just kind of as terrifying as it is to kind of do that, taking charge of your own life, your own responsibility. It's one of those apps that we need it. And unfortunately, you can't exactly expect the world to change for you, that you have to be the one in charge. Mm-hmm. One of those things. Well, Andrew, I, I really enjoyed the conversation. I know transportation is a big barrier for a lot of people out there. So I really um, was appreciated um, having this conversation with you. Uh, yep. Yeah, uh, thank you very much. But yeah, like again, yeah, look for Planning Cross Inspection and I'll be there. And, and if you email me, I have a direct uh, driving consulting links. Driving one where people can straight out schedule something for me at like usually 4 o'clock four o'clock on the weekdays and it goes to me and I have the zoom link and everything and more than happy to talk to whoever around the country about driving. Thanks to everyone for listening and thanks so much to Andrew for the conversation. 
To learn more about Andrew and, and planning across the spectrum, check out the link in the podcast description for this episode. You'll also find a link for a free call to discuss how Autism Personal Coach can help you, so book a call with me today. If you would like to be notified about each week's episode of Autism Stories, we suggest you subscribe on your favorite podcast listening platform. We'd also really appreciate it if you could give us a positive rating and review as it will help others to learn about Autism Stories. On the next episode of Autism Stories, we will talk with Ronald Kearns about life as a graphic designer on the spectrum. Talk to you then.